Today we talk the seriousness of nonsense as we chat to Matt and Richard of The Listies on Benny Asking People Questions. Today's guests are one of those beautiful stories that involve a certain success that has been derived from commitment, hard work, longevity, consistency, a total lack of any juvenile moral compass, and a complete utter respect and adoration for their audience. They are an act that through their theatre, their albums, their books, their podcasts, their television program, have really been able to grab hold of what it means to be a child of a certain age, wanting to grow up, but not quite ready to give up on being a child. I feel they are a bit of a national treasure, and I think the entertainment for children created in this country has been shifted on a much richer dialogue due to their input. I can't say enough about them, so I should probably just stop and let them say something about them. I'm thrilled to be chatting to Matt Kelly and Richard Higgins today, who collectively travel as the Listies. Hi, Matt and Richard. Thanks for joining me on Benny Asking People Questions. Who is this act you're talking about? Oh, they sound great. I can't wait to meet them. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Benny. Wow. wow. That's, um... Who are they? Oh, yeah, they... <laughs> yeah. Oh. they don't sound like two guys who just get together and muck around and hopefully people laugh at them. Yeah. 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 Well, this, this is awkward, man. Maybe the other act got the M&Ms. The, uh, Benny, the can you M&Ms. tell my mum this, please? <laughs> yeah, actually, can we use that in a grant application? Yeah. Can you tell my mum this? <laughs> That's very, 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 very touching and super flattering and thanks so much. And that, that's, hey, it's my pleasure. It's It was a real, I, I think the only struggle with doing this interview was the fact that there was so much content that I didn't quite know how to sort of, how do I kind of contain it all? But, you know, I'll do my best. It's mostly it. rubbish. Yeah. It's very, it's mostly just filler. All right. Well, thanks for your time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've met you and um, take care. Yeah. Um, well, look, let, let's just try to grasp, you know, I'll just try to grapple a bit of a beginning because I was listening to, I was listening to Nansale. I am Nansale. Which is just the best, like, you know, Hoot and Granny, Yaya for Gaga, Grandpa's Soul Separately, amazing. It's pure genius. And then, like, I was going through the website and I found the Yas Catvine menu title <laughs> that I clicked on and I went, what's this? And just ended up there and went, okay, this is this is amazing. But but what I honed in really quickly about the two of you is just, it's, it's just so much fun in creating all of the stuff that you do. And I can see, and I can sense that fun, but how special is it to find a person that you can connect with like this, to be able to do this so strongly. And did you have to go through several partnerships individually before you stumbled on this one? Or is this our first marriage? Uh, no, well, yeah, there's actually a, a number of cupboards with all the old, uh, <laughs> they're all in there. So, you know, yeah, right. Benjo and Harpo and Zippy. I was and- once in the Wiggles, but I just wouldn't wake up on time. Yeah. Like they, they would be yelling. Wake up, man! And it's just killed the show. So, uh, um, when we met at uni, it's that classic story of like meeting at uni and then uh, our, the scenes in our shows just got, in, our, the, in the shows that we were doing together, just got kind of longer and longer and longer. And <laughs> Uh, we were making each other laugh and sort of competitively trying to win. Yeah, it was. It was. We, we were very lucky to meet. We sort of were taught this sensibility of like respect for children's comedy through this woman called uh, Lynn Ellis, who was uh, the director in residence at RMIT Theatre back in the day. And um, neither of us went to RMIT, but we both really liked Lynn. And um, she cast spent, us. Spent lots of time at the bar there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I mean, she taught us. 
She taught us to do, I mean, there were kids shows that she would do as part of the university program every year over Christmas and it was paid acting work. So I would do it and I did it for about five years. And Matt and I were Mr. and Mrs. Twit and that was a lot of fun. And then we got cast in an Andy Griffiths adaptation where I played Danny and Matt played Andy or was it the other way around? Uh, no, I was Andy. Yeah. Matt was Andy and I was Danny. And though, actually, we, we tend to talk about the twits, but the Andy and Danny scenes, I think, were really the blueprint for the listies. Mm. I really do think that, you know, the idea of, like, two naughty kids. And Lynn's, Lynn's thing was always, like, you know, she'd been doing children's theatre for, like, 22 years. Roald Dahl had come to the theatre and seen one of her adaptations of his shows. Wow. Loved, Loved it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And, like, like so I she, think... She's met Roald Dahl and she had that. So her philosophy was always, if there's going to be a dirty pair of undies, get a large <laughs> pair of blue, like, like a large Biggest pair of Y fronts yeah. that, or bloomers, and then paint a stripe with dark brown paint, and that is what dirty undies don't hide it show it yeah, and then yeah. throw them into the audience. Yeah. <laughs> Good advice. Um, and that set you off. Yeah. And you yeah. And I think we were lucky that we sort of found like in each other, this kind of intense desire to just add more silliness to like everything that we were doing. And so like, even when you mentioned the website, it's just like, well, if we can, we can add a joke in something like what, why not? Like, yeah. why would we not do that? Why would we not? And, why? um, and then, yeah, we just sort of like have continued to kind of make each other laugh. Okay, Matt, we're off to make our very first musical album. Ooh, we're making a musical owl's bum? Cool. I'll get the feathers. N not an owl's bum, an album. Album. A what? An album, Matt, like a like a CD. Ooh, what's a CD? Like a, a, a musical coaster. A what? We're just going to write some songs and then, I don't know, put them on Spotify. Oh, Wow. Because you started doing adult humour, is that right? Yeah. Did you start adult comedy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Matt, actually, we were, first worked together independently, a show Matt made called Penny Machinations, which is a, a small thing for Melbourne Fringe, and it was one-on-one -on -one theatre. It was a, a series of reflexive performance experiments. Sounds <laughs> um... oh, <so> amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there was a, as part of that, there was this tour guide character that I used to do called Richard Richards Expert Tour Guide in Training. And Matt and I used to write, Matt kind of directed and wrote with me on that. So I'd take a group out into the street and, um, you know, have absurd things to say about things I saw. Mm. Um, but then uh, then Matt went away and then we we just decided to do like, com like, co like comedy, like absurdist comedy for adults. And we did that for years. See, there's basically your parts had been sort of been bumping heads for a very long time before you sort of actually sat down and went, let's actually do this thing together. Yeah. Um, because you had sort of pretty big wins early on, like the Edinburgh Fringe, um, your your show, More Fun Than a Wee, was the first children's act, I believe, ever nominated for Best Show at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. I mean, you were sort of, I mean, it was pretty clear quite early on that you were on a good thing. Is that, like, was that, was that part of the motivation just to keep giving it, a go because it's it's obviously very consuming now. It's all you do, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we sleep a bit, but mostly it's this. <laughs> <laughs> I I think we arrived at it differently. Like I would after the very. I remember very distinctly saying to Rich after doing the very first um, Listy's kids show, 
that I, if this is what I got to do for the rest of my life, I'd be very happy. And then Rich was like, that was so much fun. Mm. And so I think at that point I'd subconsciously gone, oh, I, I found it. That's what I want to do. I want to, mm. I want to do that. Um, yeah, it was very, it was very like the, the sort of like, it, this, I always think about it like it decided, like we've both done a lot of different things. Matt's done musical comedy. I used to be a painter. <laughs> uh, Matt studied tourism. I studied philosophy. Yep. We both did serious theatre and then the, and we both did adult comedy and then we did kids comedy. And kids comedy is the thing that just sort of the, the, light, uh, the lightning struck. I yeah, think. it's the overlap. I think it's that. It's the thing that we're both sort of interested in. Yeah. quite unique that because a lot, a lot of people are particularly in the in the music field people people come to it via their own children they have mm, kids then yeah. they start writing songs because they're not they don't really like anything else that's out there but mm. um but you you've really just generally come from it from this idea that you've really been enjoying and loving the process of creating it for for children we just have very juvenile senses of humor yeah absolutely absolutely well, I think also it, one of the one of the things that we discovered from doing like late night comedy rooms and like going to edinburgh and doing an adult comedy show and this is a thing that we often like say in um like interviews for uh local papers and stuff but the difference between performing for adults and kids is mm. that essentially like the kids want to be there and they, <laughs> and they want to laugh from the very moment that you stand in front of them. But the adults, you have to prove to them first. Yeah. That overcoming that hurdle, that reticence, that kind of scepticism is mm. like, I just want to always be in a space where the people in front of us are like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, if they're not into it, I mean, they, they just oh, pack up and they just walk out the door. Yeah. They just <laughs> ask for a falafel and, uh, yeah, and then get the iPhone and start watching Bluey. It's true. Fair enough. Uh, I think Matt yeah, and I It's a have... great show. It's a very funny show. It's very funny. It's yeah. a great fallback. Great fallback. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Matt, we, we, we have a fairly, uh, like our sense of humour is can be fairly absurdist, I think, and um, silly. Um, and I think that in Australia at the time we were doing it, it was a very much a move towards a sort of confessional stand-up mode of comedy. So we found ourselves on lineups where people were doing like material about, you know, either politics or their trip to Thailand. And um, Matt and I had like uh, an ironing board and some ping pong bats <laughs> that we were going to yeah, do. This like is a- went in the adult show. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Yeah. So eventually you just went, I reckon kids will probably dig this a bit more. Should we give yeah. that a go? Go. 110% ready. Let's go. 110% ready. Let's go. 110% Technically impossible, but okay, let's go. 110% ready. 110% ready. Technically impossible, 110% ready. Let's go. 110% ready. Let's look at actually creating the characters because you've obviously, I mean, you, you, you've, you're theatre people, you know what you're doing. So, I mean, obviously quite early on, Matt, sorry, you just ended up being the person that was, um, I guess, had uh, less sandwiches in your picnic basket from the word go. Like it, you seem to be the person that all the, the jokes were kind of made made at. Yeah. I mean, was that is that just like, I mean, I don't know. Is it, is it, is it, did you go into great depths of sitting down and thinking about that? kind? I mean, a really good example I guess what what that kind of tool does is is Bookarama is a really good example of how you can kind of mock people obsessed with technology 
Mm. But you do it through the the I guess the ridiculousness of your character, Matt. Yeah. I mean, did you think that through, or, or is this just purely when you got together, you just always played a bit dumb, Matt? It was sort of inherited from the adult show, isn't it? Like the yes. uh, I used to just bully you in the yeah, adult show because I've got a dumb like I've got a dumb. <laughs> so it's actually that go- you're really awful, is it? I have a horrible <laughs> sense of humor. Yeah. yeah, and and I I I've just got a dumb face. Like people like my face is is stupid and so it was the adult uh, the adult show tended to be like me just a smiling naively and Richard yelling at me yeah Matt finds it funny when people yell yeah and he finds it funny when I get really angry and upset yeah and I find bullying Matt really satisfying so that's that's the way that (laughs) that's the way the adult match made him exactly I mean so so all the previous um people in the in the in the cupboard that you were talking about earlier are more your your people are they Richard you just put them in the cupboard when you're done yeah I mean being that straight guy's easy you just (laughs) knock knock you know um but I mean to answer your question in a sort of slightly technical way what you're talking about is status um so the sort of status between Matt and I Mm. have the high status Matt has the low status and the thing with like uh, and we don't we're not clowns we don't wear red noses but we do think a lot about clowning and I think the thing with status is the moment you have status in a scene you already have a scene you've got a story yeah yeah right okay and it took us it took us a really long time sorry Benny to cut you off no But it took us a really long time to, because initially we thought that our roles on stage were older brother, younger brother, but it took us ages to figure out that it's actually parent and child. And then when we're on stage, we're trying to play out the anxieties that are going on inside the house at home. Like, and then it just became really not easy from them, but it became a very clear framework. So then it was productive. Yeah. yeah, So then it's like getting out of trying to get a kid to read a book. uh, Although they lost their water bottle. Trying to find the keys. Like they won't clean their bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it also just opens a whole gamut of, of humans in the world to make fun of as well. Doesn't it? Because you get your own backwards when, you know, in things like um, sleep learning, when you just, you know, you're a bit pompous and you're a bit sort of, well, I'm learning French, you know, and so you, you sort of get to, I don't know. It provides you the opportunity, doesn't it, to kind of mock yeah. everyone, really? Yeah, and it, and it sort of allows the opportunity to kind of like interrogate both sides as well, like the mm. absurd things, this absurdly boring things that parents are interested in that yeah. kids experience yeah, yeah. and like, to experience yeah. it like a kid, and then vice versa, like. Yeah. yeah. So in terms of what your earlier question was, Matt and I didn't sit down and go, right, what's Rich's motivation? What's Matt's motivation? We came at it more from a like a clown thing. But then when we were writing our TV show, we did have to, when we were TV people, we did have to go, well, what does Rich want? And what does Matt want? And, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was really confronting for me to realise that we'd never thought about it. I never mm. thought about where we live. I'd never thought about mm. anything like that, you know. Mm. Is it different because you're presenting it to children and when you're presenting something to children, you also have to all of a sudden be a little bit more, put a little bit more scrutiny on the things that you're saying to people? Does that ever come into play or not really? Mm-hmm. Like adults adults will sort of, I don't know, like children, there's this, there's this idea that we need to, I'm not protective. I don't think that's a correct word, but like we have to be a little bit more conscious about what we're doing for children and saying to children. We do. We are quite conscious of that. Like we are. Are we? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we definitely are. Like we, 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 we don't, we're not, we're not like, we're not, we don't have an act where one of us is like furiously consuming chocolate. We don't fetishize oh, true, the yeah. new iPhone or yeah, we true. try to be skeptical and critical of things that, uh, of things that we think that, you know, 
families and parents should be a little bit. Yeah, we don't do gigs on Australia Day. Yeah, so we do, and we do think about that. And like, you know, I'm, I'm obviously quite a camp human on stage, and that that's never. That would, but we both like camping. Yeah, that's never a problem. And and so we we do think we do think about that we have the opportunity to kind of speak to families and young, open minds, and try and think about. We we do we do think about what mm. what we are we are what we are presenting there yeah, and the yeah. and that they are there's an there's an, there is an ethics there absolutely yeah. is yeah. about the content because i want to go back to um drive you crazy that's the first album isn't it is that yeah correct yeah i mean it's i mean the obvious reference i mean straight away for me you know i just leg it to monty python and all those great albums like another monty python record and contractual obligations yeah. and all that kind of stuff i mean now the the, the, two, the two things here is are they an influence or is this what happens when you try to take stuff that's on the stage and put it in onto an audio platform uh, we definitely are influenced by the Monty Python album. For sure, yeah, absolutely. We both listen to them heaps. And Martin, Martin Malloy Yeah, albums. the Brown album. And, where's, um... and the 12th Man. Like, I didn't even know yeah. cricket. Like, I didn't grow up in Australia. I grew up in England, but I had an uncle here and he sent us the 12th Man. And I listened to it so much and I didn't understand any of the references, but I just could tell it was yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah. So true. Yeah. It, it's, a real, it's a real art what you do, though, because, I mean, it's, it's disappearing from children's theater i think or, or or like audio like i think it's people like peter coon was really made into poems and things like that famous but there's not a lot of people that are really in your your sphere that do this kind of stuff and it's 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 nice we, to see it we were surprised you know? by it we kind of we've kind of put the album together once because i think we were just bored we were rehearsing at our oh, at, that's right yeah. we were rehearsing at a brass band hall and it had a like this is a long time ago when mike's and little recording studios were a little less common and it just had that setup. And they said, Oh, if you want to record anything, just go ahead. And so we just recorded the sketch Batman just, just to procrastinate from doing us from actually doing, from work. doing work. <laughs> and then we were like, wow, we could do more of these and it could be like the Monty Python album. And that's how it started actually. And then we sort of really? like, then, yeah. and then yeah. they, they have become like, that absolutely like one of the best things that we've done is the audio albums because it's what it is is it's 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 the same experience as as um oh this is just speaking for myself but it's the same experience as going to see a show like generally everybody's in the car and they're listening to it together mm. and so you mm. get that you capture the whole family um uh, at, at that moment, which is really special. Like books are great and television's great, but they're sort of like singular experiences. And I really do like the communal listening of the albums that happens. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, just talking about that family in the car thing, how much do you draw upon your own life? I just want to reference in Seven Days of Xmas, um, <laughs> the boring Rellos bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just amazing. Bitcoin, yeah. Foxtel, interest rates, caravan, <laughs> mortgage. <laughs> I mean, that's, that is precise. I couldn't, I was I just purely out of, I don't know, just ego. I was trying to think of something that could probably sl- slide into that list. But no, that that's that's what the greatest. No, I do it didn't. That was just I just was so fascinated by how boring those those five yeah, things were. And then be, and then I had to backtrack and go, oh God, I think I've spoken about three of those. But um we all have but those. that's like when that's what happens at Christmas. You're chatting to your family and you go, oh my God. Yeah, tell I'm a bit bored. of I'm bored they- with what I'm saying. <laughs> The other one would be like keto diets. It's yeah. <laughs> so true. Oh, QAnon conspiracy. Yeah. Oh, but that's kind of a bit interesting though. Yeah. If yeah. someone's full QAnon, that's like a bit interesting. Yeah. Caravans, getting a caravan service, that's, that's less interesting than yeah. QAnon. Uh, Apple Apple TV over um, oh, yeah, the one? Google Chrome Play or whatever that's it is. Great. Um, anyway, amazing. I, I, I just tried to model that into a question for no other reason other than I just wanted to bring it up and just applaud you and tell you just how great that was. Good night, little baby. It's been a long day, but now it's time to hit the hay. You stay in your crib and I'll go to mine. And as you sleep, I'll watch true crime. Ah. Your nightlight is on, your weird teddy is just there. You've had your bath and we've scraped the food from your hair. The day was filled with a million joys. And the thing from Amazon is playing white noise. Good night, buddy. Wait. How come you're still not asleep? Talking about just the boringness of, of, of family, is there anything that you sort of won't necessarily go to? Like in remote learning, you you, you push an envelope. Like there, there is a bit of an envelope that you push. Like, for example, you do reference, you know, I'm going to stick sticking things up people's butts. Do we? Do we? You, you bleep out the potential F word. Right. And what you say, and yeah, you say, I'm going to stick this up your, and then the person comes. Oh, okay. But I meant no. So I would never say that. No, but see, so my point is though, I mean, you know, it's, it's a really hard age. That preteen's a really hard age thing to kind of navigate. And this goes back to the conversation before about the things that you want to talk about and the things you're, you're conscious of your audience, because it's not quite so black and white with that age group. It's a very gray area. Not only are you dealing with the complexities of of an individual child who's kind of got an idea of funny and not funny and maturity and not maturity, you're also sort of dealing with parents that don't want their kids to grow up too quick. It isn't really, it's a track. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like Spew Town, some parents don't listen to Spew Town because they find it too yeah. But it is, it's a really like a, the naught to five genre. It's a little bit black and white. You can sort of go, okay, not okay. You're, you're in an age where it really is an individual maturity that you're kind of dealing with. Right. Yeah. 
not that you would necessarily think about that, but does it come back on you? And, and the example obviously is like Spewtown. People have come back and gone, oh, I'm quite happy that you introduced my kid to X, Y, Z. I think we do that. Like there's been a couple of times where we've, we've crossed the line and we didn't really, we thought we, we would <laughs> no. get away with it, but I, we do. It is, it does actually always have to be defensible. Like Rich joked about uh, what I meant of being up my nose. It's like, it needs to remain benign, defensively benign, but be kind of deliciously naughty enough for the kid who not, because pretending that those words don't exist is pointless. Uh, they do, and it's not our job to explain to the kid that it why it's rude or whatnot. But if, but if some, if it, we, we do always like to have that up our sleeves to go. Mm. Actually, this is what we were saying because it's funny to defend it like that because yeah. they know that that's not what we meant. Oh, it is what we meant though. Yeah. I would never, which would never, <laughs> which would say, never that. say that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think the other way to answer that is also that like um, we both. Oh, I very much grew up like I, I keep bringing this up, but in the in the UK. I grew up with very much a panto um, yeah, sure. like, um, uh, thing, which is and a panto is all about double entendre, much, much worse than we ever do. Yeah, and yeah. they are definitely a family show. And the rudeness uh, is sort of part of the rudeness. This is the thing about, you know, there's that thing about British people that the sense of humour is very polite, but also very rude. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that rudeness is uh, just sort of baked into my sense of humour. Um, but I also do uh, re- uh, realise that we aren't parents. Uh, we don't yeah, sure. parent, well, we don't parent children. Mm. So I do always just think about work. I don't, it surprises me when people come at me from an adult perspective, because I, I think we go into this kid's zone and I don't think about it as an adult. I think, I thought, and then occasionally you'd be talking to somebody and they'll go, oh, so my kid was in the backyard yeah. yesterday afternoon uh, yelling at the dog and asking the dog, telling the dog to stop being an asshole. Yeah. And then is, I said, that's a naughty word. Where did you learn that? And then they went, it's in the book. And yeah, we don't know what you gave it. We don't and always like, get it right. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. There is a couple of words in Wikipedia <laughs> that we probably would should cut. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That's but also, so like, I don't know. For me, I'm like, that, those words exist. It's not, I don't know. You can't, you look, you, can, you can't hide from it. And you know what? You can also never win. You can win. It's, nah, you it. know, it's, I think, I think, I think what you're saying is really the key. If you, if you can defend anything you've done and you can do it yeah. with integrity in the way you believe in it, then, you know, it's all. And, it's all good. and the, at the end of the day, the goal has to always be silliness. It can't be hurtful. It can't be. Mm. Can't yeah. be, it can't be pointed at somebody unless it's pointed at us. Oh, but there are some people that just don't, We, you know, like we have had just some stone cold. Oh, the, remember, you know, remember when we were doing more, just party poopers? Who when just, we did more fun than a wee in Sydney the first time, uh, somebody left the show yeah. and tried to get it tried to get a refund on the show because the show was too stupid. And then at that time... They didn't uh, learn anything. Yeah, all of our posters said at the bottom, um, the show is rated S for stupid. 100% not educational, yeah. Yeah, and and, and rated S for stupid. And then so the box office got to go, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, madam... the show is rated S for stupid, so I can't refund your ticket. You'd been warned. Amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. This is the story of the haunted toothbrush. The scariest thing that ever happened to us. An ectoplasmic force. Supernatural, of course. Possess my toothbrush now, my dear. 
actually talk about the the process of recording them because there's there's this really great um i was listening to count draw killer yeah. um in the same vein as of nan's sale pure genius and desperately beautiful collection of dad jokes yeah but even within all of that there is nothing for me more spectacular than hearing the boom tish from a staple diet done entirely with a cash register <laughs> the sound effect of the boom tish after you know yeah. it's a good staple diet but but it did make me think about your actual recording process i mean do you do you rehearse relentlessly because you're a theater people and that's what you do and then when you go into a studio you've just got it all down pat and you do it or do you just go i'll say this line 20 times and then we'll go through and edit and all that kind of stuff no we try we try mix, yeah we? there's a mix there's uh, some of them are really tightly scripted um, and the reason why is just because it takes just so much time, more time to improvise and, and cut improvisations into mm-hmm. sketches. Um, but then other ones we tend to do a little bit of improv, like um, David Outdoorsy is mostly improvised. Um, yeah. And Batman was improvised as well. Yeah, was oh, it, not, uh, The knockoff uh, joke was an improvised sketch as well. Yeah. yeah. But some of them are, are, most of them nowadays are very tightly scripted. And then we, so it goes through that and then we work with, um, uh, well, I think one of the reasons why the albums have been available to us, I think, is that my boyfriend is a um, sound designer. Mm. So he does the sound designs for us. Right. Um, and he used to work in film and television, so he has an idea of, yeah, of, kind of cartoon sensibility that we're sort of looking for, and he's a funny man as well. But then sometimes he gets it wrong. Like I remember the, there's a sketch <clears throat> called The Boy Who Cries Wolves. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Where it's about a boy who cries when, uh, when he cries Hello, wolves. Hello, my name's Peter, and when I cry, wolves come out of my eyes. And then so yeah. Andrew, <laughs> Andrew had returned his version of The Boy Who Cried Wolves, and it was like... It sounded like real wolves. Two minutes of just visceral wolves. <laughs> it sounded like something out of Game of Thrones. Poor, tearing <laughs> it was like, this apart. is not a kid's track. And he thought it was so funny. Yeah. I was like, that is too violent. He's yeah. like, yeah, but that's why it's funny. And it goes on for too long. Yeah, yeah but yeah, that's yeah. why it's funny. I'm like, okay, <laughs> just going to sit you down, put yeah. the headphones on you, and now imagine you're, you're five. five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're desperately afraid of wolves. Yeah. yeah. And now put it in that perspective. Um, well, is he, has he done all the albums? Yeah. Well, the most recent one, no. Oh, he didn't do anything on the recent one. No, the album, with the musical album, was album, not. Album, yep. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, and Rich, Rich yeah. and I are sort of musical people as well, so we, we kind of try and yeah. we, have a, we have a sense of timing and the, the, um, the person who does the vocal recordings for the album is a hip-hop artist and he's very good at audio. So he kind of, he's, he's very good at, giving things rhythm in the edit and that sort of stuff as well. Sure. So, yeah. Oof. And there you have it, Rich, a musical owl's bum. Oh, yes, Matt. It had everything. Highs, yep. lows, yep. middles. Definitely. Uh, amazing. I can't wait to record it. Yes. Wait, what? Yeah, record the song. Push the button, record it. It'll be amazing. So cool. Then we get to see bit people. But, Matt, we just did record it, didn't we? We're in the studio. We're talking into microphones. We recorded it. Oh, I thought we were just rehearsing it. Didn't you hit record? No. There has been a bit of a progression in the first, like from your early album to to Lullaby. You know, there, I, I think there's a little bit of a change. I think there's a difference in in the production, just a little bit. But there's also yeah. a bit of a different, um, 
<laughs> I, you know, I could be wrong, but it feels like there's a lot less farting and vomiting in Lullaby than than I. Yeah. It's yeah, almost yeah. like, and dare I say this, it's it's almost like the two of you have matured a bit. Oh, well, stop it. it's doctors. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we do get tagged with this farting the fart joke, guys, and that's fine because we do fart jokes. But then it does frustrate me somewhat when reviewers of live shows talk about so the phony fart jokes. And I'm like, I know for a fact this show only has two fart jokes in it. Yeah, but they're right. very... And the show goes to 67 minutes. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, it's just a sort of fun exercise to see what else you could make funny to the children. Like. <laughs> yeah. Just expanding the, the repertoire a bit. Why not? But maybe we'll go back to it. Yeah, and I think it does. It is also... Classical Gas, the album. Yeah. yeah. We do... It is... It, it, we do listen... And I think we've sort of seen that, like, what what we've learned about the fart joke is that mm. there's a there's a they're like a currency. Like you you don't want to they're like money. You don't want to give them away too quickly. Like mm. you don't want to run out. Yeah. And so we try now to sort of like if we are gonna employ it, if we yeah we just gotta sort of spend it wisely well, we, you know we, like yeah and we also know that like when we're interacting with an audience once one kid's made a poo joke or a fart joke it's it's, you never get it back yeah. so it's very you've got to be careful and that, and that adults will tune out at that point as well and when, like what we're trying to do Not is create a family experience mm. but if you have too many fart jokes you some part of your audience will withdraw and we want to try and keep everybody in the same room. Just from the perspective of writing, I mean, do you feel that you've grown now that you've had, like, I mean, you for the first albums, obviously you've done countless amounts of theatre production. You've had so much has happened in your careers. Did you, and, and if you now look at our bum, do you feel that you've actually... Because uh, I think it's quite strange. Like listening to the first two albums, the production is really similar. I still see the writing very similar and, and they feel like they're albums that could just all string together quite neatly. But there does feel to be something, I don't know. I don't know if it is. And, and, when I, and, I, and I actually do say maturity, but I don't mean it in, in the sense that, that it belongs in normal conversation. Like it feels like you're more, I don't know, you, you just got a bit of a clearer vision of what you're doing and who you are and... Yeah, maybe. Uh, less I think, experimentation and more like we know who we are now and this is what we're doing. Uh, maybe. I mean, we'd never done an album of music before and I think we just did that via, because we did a song called Wash Your Hands at the very start of the pandemic where we got all these comedians mm. to be on it and that was before we even knew that, like, pandemic, you got to wear a mask, not wash your hands. So it was like when it first happened and I think we really enjoyed that process of writing songs and we haven't written songs before um every album tends to have one song so I think that was kind of an experiment but I feel like the writing has really changed particularly with the advent of like us writing for tv and books because then that involves much more narrative mm. um sustaining narrative across you know more time whereas the albums tend to be sustaining stuff across like three or four minutes versus is like maybe 10 minutes or the book is like sustained across like mm. 200 pages so mm. I feel like that's where we're more confident about structuring narrative than we used to be yeah and I think it's that thing where we just clarified what the role is like yeah. lullaby is parent and child it's yes. about trying to get somebody to go to bed and I think that I think what's happened between those two I think is a is a um a sort of a solidification of status as well in, yeah. in defining that role. I think that lullaby, listen to me earnestly talking about. No, no, well, they just the question. <laughs> yeah, like I think that's I think that's what's happened. And I 
I think that I sometimes think that that's a shame. I think that that there's some there's some there's some odd oddness that kind of goes from mm. very clearly defining those roles. Um, yeah. yeah, right. There's a there's an absurdity that kind of is sort of missing from <clears throat> what we do now that we would have had more of when we were young. Potentially, yeah. Mm. But I mean, that's yeah. Go on. No, I was going to say, but the flip side to that is, I mean, you you feel like there seems to be a really big freedom in what you do. Like you, you're able to branch out into books, to albums, to TV, to stage. I mean, it mm. feels like even in, like you're saying, you might have lost some of that absurdity that you really, that drew you together in the first place. It's almost like now you have more avenues to really... I don't know, bring it back or or explore. I don't know. Yeah, because as you were saying that, I was like, well, actually, yesterday I was ringing around my sister and my mum to try and find an old microwave because we want to have (laughs) uh, the next thing we're going to shoot is going to have a can of beans explode in a microwave. And um, I'm like, that would be better because they were talking about doing an After Effects and I really want them to have actual like beans explode in a microwave. And I'm like, well, that's pretty, um, that's pretty absurd. Yeah. <laughs> Allies are not like Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm pretty happy with that level of absurdity in my life. So, yeah. 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 I don't think you've lost any of it. No. What's left for you when you take two from two? Nothing. Okay, yes, I'll give you that. That is nothing. When you're being rude and you stand in the nude, you wear nothing. That is rude. What song do you sing when your guitar's got no string and you can't think of a song to sing? What? You, you sing, sing nothing. Okay, this song is bonkers, Matt. Some folk will tell Just a couple more questions and I'll let you go. Now, with the, with the television show, I mean, was it, was it pretty hard? Like, you did touch on it briefly before, Richard, but was it pretty hard kind of just shifting the concept? Because TV's just... You know, it's much, you can edit much quicker. There's there's less sort of setting up that you need to do. Well, there's physically more setting up, but there's less, um, I guess, narrative setups. You can kind of just find yourself in a situation. I mean, was it, was it a very different writing process for you? I mean, you did have, um, you know, Judy McCrossan was part of the whole team. Yeah. She's a bit of a powerhouse. But, I mean, was it a culture shock or was it just a real, just a natural extension of what you'd been doing? We, I mean, this was a, an ex, it was a long journey to get that show made. Mm. Um, and we'd, we'd yeah. kind of come, we'd come at television five times. Yeah. And what we were mm. pitching was much more sketchy, much weirder, like much more like going to a live listy show, which constantly breaks convention and is formally like a, like a, a late show. Yeah. Or... Sort of odd. Yeah. Um, and much more like the YouTube that we watched as mm. well um, and had, hadn't really been met with a lot of openness because people couldn't see what it would look like. Mm. Um, and so when we met with um, Judy and Kate to work on that show. That's Judy McCrossan and Kate Keegan. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're very experienced, very knowledgeable um like TV, TV narrative television writers and they were like we want to do this kind of show with you and um they were just so funny like funny really funny people and mm, we were yeah. like great well let's do this and it and that's what got up yeah yeah we wrote an- another show before that which was teleportaloo um mm. with those two yeah, yeah with those two and then that didn't get picked up or we couldn't fund that and then and then Peanuts was a sort of smaller version of that, but that we were able to make. So, mm. I mean, we we did we learned a huge amount in those years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great though. I mean, I think I think it's a, another um, 
I don't know. It's just a, it's another example of just the staying power that the two of you have. And I guess I guess the real belief in what you're doing. I think I think that's what really comes through in all your work and everything that you do is there's a real and I sort of said it in the introduction about that other band I was talking about, that other group. Yeah, um, yeah the good one. The, the really good one, yeah. They, um, they're, they're out the front just with bloated stomachs from blue M&Ms. <laughs> they, but they, there, there is a, there's a real, like, I mean, you, 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 the two of you have a real passion for this age group. You have a real, uh, you know, I don't know if it's an affinity or a connection, but I mean, you really believe in the stuff that you're doing. And, and I think going at a TV show five times and five times. Yeah. That's, that's, that's not someone who's thinking this is a pretty easy, quick thing to do. This is someone who's going, well, this is our career. We need to make it the, the biggest it can be. It's same with the books. I'm guessing Penguin didn't come and knock on your door and go, Hey, we're passing by. Have you got a couple of books lying around? Mm. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. If they did, I mean, that's great for you. I mean, um, no, no, no. I can't really remember. That was ages ago. I think because we were both just like little weirdos at school and we just mm. want, we like, our, I always think of like our, of the theatre as being like a home for sport for nerds. Yeah. It's just a home nerds. for little weirdos. And are you, are you making what you wished you'd seen? Uh, well, that's why, that's why yeah. I started. Like that was why we did the kids show because yeah. we well we'd always talk about what in the kids show we make and the the the, the shows that Lynn was making at RMIT were so fast paced they acknowledged pop culture they acknowledged that that kids can handle like they didn't disgusting have a, and violent they didn't and, have a moral I think that's the thing with Matt and I we don't have a moral at the end of our test yeah. <laughs> And so someone said, I, show, I like to shock people sometimes that go like when they talk about theatre and I go, look, I have no interest in educating children at all. <laughs> That's for other people. I just don't. Oh, yeah. like I think our, but I think our education is much more hidden than that. It's like when, yeah. when you get older, you can I'm, still be silly. Yeah. When, I'm being a bit facetious. Yeah. yeah. And when you get to, like he, the, the theatre is a space for like, like yeah weirdos it's a safe space to be odd yeah look you know whether there's a hidden message there or not it doesn't matter i just don't think the need i mean yeah is there anything wrong with just being you know i'm I'm still searching for the morals deep beneath the um marvel movies but you know for an hour and a half they're they're reasonably entertaining and then i'm done and i move on well that's Um, that's what our hosts say yeah i mean i guess (laughs) we're just like marvel movies No, no, that they're reasonably entertaining, and uh, then I'm then we all move on. Well, the medium is the message in a way, yeah. in that like we Matt and I still go and see a lot of theatre, and we believe in like independent theatre, and we believe mm. in independent music, and we believe in independent art, and and we believe in art. So just by making stuff that is sort of that's the you know yeah that's the, by its that's nature the, yeah, yeah by its yeah, very I mean, nature it is hopefully educational yeah. yeah yeah and like also like we. We, I remember going and seeing a production of like Charlie and Lola at the Sydney Opera mm. House, and then it had this beautiful, had this beautiful set, and it was all like brightly, like painted um, flower wallpaper. And are you about to do a diss? Oh no, I just kept thinking. Yeah, I felt a diss coming. Imagine if they came out and the first thing that happened was somebody threw up on the wall. Mm. Like to just take something really nice and destroy it in the first minute. And I just keep thinking that's what, like, that's how I approach 
something streamlined like a remote control for a television by <laughs> yeah it's just what yeah. would happen if it got totally destroyed yeah yeah <laughs> it's like um, well, I can tell how much would that delight the kids they would just find that so funny if the first thing that came out was somebody some went, of them might find it horrifying they might but then they're at the theater i was horrified i can't believe i it. want my money back <laughs> dear internet i was horrified when <laughs> um but I guess that's the, that's the lesson, isn't it? Perfection is just not necessary. It's not something you need. It's not something you need to reach for. Imperfection well, is hysterical and is much more valuable. And yeah, and and well, like yeah. our our shows, like we used to say when we first started that like we were the opposite of the slickness of the kind of Disney landscape of mm. of, of entertainment. Like, but I feel like they're caught up now. Disney, uh, yeah, and I feel like they've caught up to us. No, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. What I'm saying is they have started to critique themselves in yeah. it. Like, so if you watch yeah, Wreck-It Ralph, the, the, the Disney princesses all wearing tracksuits and showing the sort of like, oh, hi, almost farting, but not quite. Yeah. They're mm. sort of, they're, they're critiquing themselves within their, they're doing very clever things with their IP, I mm. think, Disney. Um, mm. So, and it didn't quite used to be like that. But yeah, I mean, they're also... I mean, I'll just put a little diss in here. They kind of have to, don't they? I mean, really? If they don't, they, they will just disappear. It's, it's, that's what's happening. Living in a cave, I'd flap my chicken wings, stretch my chicken legs. The only problem I can see is that I'd have to lay eggs. Two, three, four. Animal problems, animal problems, they happen every day. Animal problems, animal problems, they never gonna go away. If I um, okay, so my last question, and again, I really appreciate you taking the time out today to, to give us even just a snippet of what's been going on in your world for the last 10 years. It's it's pretty exhaustive and, and amazing. Um, there's this really beautiful quote on your website from Frank Woodley. Um, where he says, when I saw the listies, it affected my thinking because I really related to the comedy craft they were exercising. It got me a little bit excited to realise that when you are performing for kids, it's just as delicate and just as sophisticated, which I, I think is an incredibly beautiful and powerful line. I think that last little bit about it, it's just as delicate and just as sophisticated because it is, it is a genre that is easily passed off. It's easily forgotten. And it's usually like you're saying, like you can be a, a massive supporter of arts and, and, and being an artist and all those kind of things, but it's still hard to sell your art when you're pitching it to children. It's hard to get people to really sit back and, I guess, put it in the same context as something for adults. Has this been your experience or have you always just found it? I mean, people are supportive. I'm not saying they're unsupportive, but it is, I don't know. I it, very much depends. it depends on what arena of creativity you're talking about. I feel like mm. children's books are very valued mm. um, and they are, you know, um, you know, like, in Melbourne, for example, readings kids is like this whole world, and and kids books are really, really like developing and coming on leaps and bounds. And I think people are really recognizing that. But I do think that you still hear one of my least favorite things to hear is like when Matt and I will say, "Oh, the show's not quite ready," or we've got to do some more work on the show, and someone will say something like, "Oh, but it's the just for the kids. The kids will love it," you know. And I and I really I just never think about our work like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I 
I don't know. I th I think that that um, I feel like I agree with Rich. Like there's certain there's certain like hallowed areas of kids entertainment, um, and then there are bits that are just like uh, like we find it with arts festivals, and this is a bit of a diss, but we find that with arts festivals, the children's program is either relegated to a single day, mm -hmm. and kids are allowed to occupy their world for a day or an afternoon, mm -hmm. or there's one show that gets programmed in there. And most of the major theatre companies in Australia spend none of their money, none of their publicly public funded mm -hmm. uh, money on uh, anything outside of education outreach. So, so everything that happens in their world is designed to kind of like fulfil a curriculum mm -hmm. um, criteria rather than to just like, in, like invite people into these buildings and give families uh, an entertaining time. Yeah, like they do which the is the exact the opposite of what happens in film. Yeah. Whereas I feel like film, yeah. like we, we've had this total renaissance of children's film in the past 10, 20 years where Pixar mm. films have like widely acknowledged as like really interesting for everyone with films like, you know, Toy Story 3 and Up and all these films that people just say they love, mm. which are obviously for children. Um, but then people are like, but they're legit. Uh, but I feel like, mm, yeah, uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, but no, that I, I, but I wholeheartedly sure agree with had that. that in theatre. No, and what tends to happen, like, in theatre is that things need to sort of, like, prove themselves in another arena first and then they can make a theatre translation. Like, uh, Bluey sure. would never have made that transition from a stage show into into the yeah. uh, incredible thing that it is now. But it, it can very comfortably go back the other way mm -hmm. because theatre is expensive and, and, and difficult to produce and it's very hard... Uh, to convince families to come along. Yeah. I guess also independent theatre is, is not a terribly well-known thing in the children's. Nah, correct. Yeah. Spectrum. Like I think it's, you know, yeah. it's just not, there's not a lot of, I don't know, I guess, I guess independent theatre is usually sort of often thought of as a, as a, yeah, I know something for the, for the, you know, it's a like skivvy wearer, you know what I mean? So yeah. you don't nearly put it in the same vein as, as children's independent stuff. It depends what country you're in. I mean, in mm. the UK, there's more a larger acknowledgement, I think, of children's theatre and in particularly in Europe, um, there's a real acknowledgement that children's theatre is an important sort of part of, um, uh, of culture. Mm. Um, uh, in America, it's the opposite. It, they, I don't think it almost doesn't exist. Mm all is my impression what's that children's theater, independent children's theater oh, yeah. i feel like there's a commercial sector and there's maybe a small arts sector and maybe children's music but yeah, okay. the impression i'm getting is that yeah they import a lot of stuff yeah right so yeah yeah and i think it's the same with music as as well i think the same as theater like in in uh, there are in um the in festivals and uh there tends to be like the children's stage somewhere yeah. that's kind of off to the side and and relegated partially as submerged in bog water uh <laughs> and exposed then... electrical cables hanging from broken trees yeah <laughs> wolves patrolling the forest <laughs> <laughs> there, it is yeah. sort of it is siloed I think. razor wired <laughs> swinging from broken power lines <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it, it does get siloed off i think and i think that that's a shame i think that and in doing in, well, maybe that's where we deserve maybe that's where we, well, i mean i'm saying that's where we yeah, deserve to yeah, be yeah. but other other folks such as <laughs> yourself yeah like yeah yeah i don't deserve a razor wire um 
Well, look, I mean, that's it, it's I, I I'm a, an enormous fan. I I love what you do. I love the effort more than anything. I mean, someone that you know that that follows the children's music scene and 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 the and the people that create content. It means a great deal to have people in you in the industry that, um, you know, really, really believe and have a genuine passion about creating best possible work you can create. And, um, and it, it's, it, it, I think it's quite rare. I don't think it's as common as you might think. I think it's a very rare thing. Most people have a, a fleeting passion that engagement with children's content for five years and they move on when the children are old enough and um you know to see someone really develop and, and do the longevity is, is really means a great deal and so i for one thank you what I, what i do just want to say though is what i'm enormously disappointed about yeah. is in the, the 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 i'm i'm batman my yeah. daughter spent probably three times longer than the skit itself trying to explain to me why it's funny. Cause um, cause he's saying it Batman and he's meant to be saying Batman. Uh-huh. And I was like, wait, yeah, I've, wait, I've, what does he say? He says, <laughs> um, what's he supposed to say? Batman. Oh. Is it the Batman though? It's the Batman. Yeah. It's the, the Batman. Batman. Yeah. But she was like, oh, do you get it? Like it's, they're saying Batman, but he's, oh, I'm, I'm getting it. Yep. I like, am- I'm picking up on it. <laughs> uh, I had to then listen to it without her in the room. <laughs> so I could just get through the skit without her talking. Everyone. But listen, it's amazing. Uh, my you. children love it. It's, it's really beautiful. And I really appreciate you taking the time to, to Thank fill you. us all in today. Thank you very much. Thank you for Thanks, the lovely Benny. things you've said. Yeah. It's very, it's very nice to, um, yeah, it's very nice to, to hear somebody um, say such lovely things and to, some, that, that can acknowledge how, seriously we treat it because we do overthinking fart jokes since that's, 2008 yeah that's what exactly. we're getting that's what we're calling our bio if you'd like to know more about richard and matt then head along to their website at www.thelisties.com and of course for more benny time goodness head along to www.bennytime.com thanks for listening to me benny asking richard and matt questions yeah.